Hello, and welcome to the MAPA Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Malone. This episode, we are highlighting articles from the January and February of 23 Impact Newsletter. You can find current and past issues underneath the news tab at minnesotapa.org. And make sure to sign up for email delivery of the Impact Newsletter. A quick disclaimer, this podcast is not intended for medical advice and should not be taken as such. The opinions expressed are those of the individuals. We start with the president's message from MAPA president, Carolyn Jar. I hope that your 2023 is off to a fantastic start. Your MAPA volunteer leadership team is very busy planning an exciting series of events and initiatives in the coming months. I'd like to highlight several of these in this edition of Impact. On February 28th, MAPA will be hosting PA Day on the Hill at the State Capitol. You can register online with the impact issue available at minnesotapa.org. PA Day on the Hill is our professional opportunity to collectively gather to meet with our Minnesota state legislators and let them know who PAs are, what PAs do, and the value we bring to the Minnesota healthcare system, and advocate for our current legislative agendas. Once you register, MAPA volunteer leaders will schedule appointments for you with your legislators and will communicate arrival times and know-before-you-go information to you before the event. On the day, MAPA leadership will be available to help coach you on what to expect, where to go, and how to manage your meetings with legislators. Talking points and handouts will be provided as well. As I've mentioned before, it is absolutely critical that we show up for our profession in our legislators' offices. Without a strong presence, we run the risk of being forgotten, and our voices and initiatives will go unheard. You are the experts on what PAs are doing in Minnesota and what PAs in Minnesota need. There is no one better to speak on our behalf. There is still time to register to join us for our in-person Spring CME Conference this March 2nd and 3rd at the Minneapolis Marriott West. We have single-day rates and full conference registration options available. Full conference registrants will receive bonus access to five virtual on-demand CME sessions. Additionally, we are proud to offer a free online Spring CME student track that runs in the evenings from February 27th through March 2nd with a fantastic lineup of topics, including career development, wellness, financial independence, leadership, advocacy, and more. Current students can register online. Find the latest issue of Impact at minnesotapa.org. We also look forward to cheering on our students during the in-person MAPA Student Challenge Bowl, scheduled for Friday, March 3rd at the conference. Are you due for membership renewal? Or perhaps you know of a colleague that isn't a MAPA member and you'd like to do your part in supporting our organization by encouraging them to join. Well, there has never been a better time to be a member of hashtag Team Minnesota PA than now. Currently, new members and renewing members will receive this awesome MAPA branded pin. Special thanks to the hard work of our membership committee for making this initiative happen. You can see an example of that MAPA pin in the current issue of Impact Online. I'll see you on the Hill. That's a message from Carolyn Jar, MAPA President. And now, an update from Tracy Kaiser. After the awake craniotomy to resect the tumor in my left frontal lobe, I was diagnosed with a grade 3 oligodendroglioma in mid-December. I've been in active treatment since January 11th. As of the publishing of this newsletter, I will have just about two more weeks of radiation left. 
I'm over halfway and looking forward to my next steps on this journey. I've been back at work since January 23rd and have been taking my time to come to terms with how my brain used to function and how it functions now. Thank you to each of you who have sent positive thoughts and prayers and have given monetary gifts and letters of encouragement. You are all precious to me. See the November-December issue of Impact for additional information. And now an update from MAPA lobbyist Tom Lehman. The 2023 legislative session began January 2nd, and the Capitol is in full swing. The November elections brought a DFL trifecta to the Capitol for the first time in years. DFLers control the House, the Senate, and the Governor's Office, which will allow them to move their agenda without the ability of Republicans to stop them. The top issue on everyone's agenda is passing a two-year biennial budget before the session ends on May 22nd. Other priorities include codify Roe v. Wade in the state statute, signed into law on January 31st, pass a family medical leave bill allowing employees paid time off in certain circumstances, increase funding for K-12 and higher education, expand voting rights, including automatic registration for 18-year-olds, gun regulation with red flag protection orders and expansion of criminal background checks, and legalize recreational cannabis. One of MAPA's top priorities is passing a compact bill that will allow PAs licensed and in good standing with the Board of Medical Practice to practice in other states that have joined the compact. The compact would allow PAs in other states to practice in Minnesota. The Minnesota Medical Association passed a physician compact bill several years ago, and the psychologist passed one in 2022. In this session, the PAs will be joining physical therapists, dentists, licensed clinical counselors, occupational therapists, and speech-language hearing therapists in pushing for a compact bill for their profession. Now for a federal legislative update. Federal Workers' Comp. Legislation to allow injured federal employees to receive care provided and overseen by PAs and NPs has been introduced once again. The bill passed the House of Representatives on an overwhelmingly bipartisan vote in 2022, but did not clear the Senate before the close of the 117th Congress. AAPA is urging all PAs to contact their legislators to co-sponsor S. 131-HR-618, the Improving Access to Workers' Compensation for Injured Federal Workers Act, introduced on January 30th of 2023. Also, the bill to authorize PAs to certify the need for Medicare patients to obtain diabetic therapeutic shoes has been reintroduced. Current Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services regulations do not allow PAs to order diabetic shoes. With the aging U.S. population and the prevalence of diabetes, it is absurd that PAs can manage a patient's diabetes and other complex chronic conditions, but currently are not permitted by Medicare to order diabetic shoes. The title is the Promoting Access to Diabetic Shoes, Act S-260, H.R. 704. Thus far, no members of the Minnesota congressional delegation have signed as co-sponsors to either bill. Now is the time to reach out to both Senator Klobuchar and Senator Smith, as well as your congressperson, to share your thoughts on why passage of these bills is important. If you are an AAPA member, you can access the Legislative Action Center to easily accomplish this. If you aren't an AAPA member, you can find contact information on your legislator, state and federal, on the Minnesota Legislator page. Now, an article on January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, written by Brittany Strelow. 
In the United States, approximately 13,000 new cases of cervical cancer were diagnosed in 2022, and about 4,000 women per year will die of this cancer. Thankfully, cervical cancer is no longer the leading cause of death in women due to increased screening and prevention. Human papillomavirus, a sexually transmitted infection that almost all individuals will be exposed to at some point in time in their lives, is known to cause approximately 70% of cervical cancers and other cancers such as head, neck, and rectal cancers. HPV vaccines can prevent cervical cancer and are recommended by the CDC for girls and boys aged 11 to 12 years old. Additionally, it is recommended for everyone through age 26 who has not been previously vaccinated. Cervical cancer screening with a routine pap test or pap smear can prevent cervical cancer. The United States Preventative Services Task Force and the American Cancer Society have timelines for recommendations on screening. The test involves collecting cells from the surface of the cervix, which are then examined for cell changes and HPV. Detecting precancerous abnormalities or cancer at an early stage can lead to better treatment outcomes. Other ways to prevent cervical cancer are by using condoms during sex, limiting the number of sexual partners, and not smoking. Are your patients having difficulties affording a pap test? Tell them about the SAGE screening program. They may qualify for free services. Every month, MAMPA produces a public service announcement. These PSAs are public interest messages shared for free to raise public awareness and change behavior. You can find the collection of audio PSAs at minnesotapa.org underneath the News tab, click on Public Service Announcements. Feel free to download the PSAs and share them with news media in your area, encouraging people to live healthier. January's PSA is about Blood Donor Awareness Month. Here is an article written by Amanda Neiman. Every two seconds, someone in the United States needs blood or blood products. Every year, 4.5 million Americans will need a blood transfusion. From burn victims and trauma patients to people with cancer and those undergoing organ transplant or surgery, the need for blood is constant. These life-saving treatments can only be given by volunteer blood donors. There is no substitute for human blood. It cannot be developed in a laboratory. Only 37% of the U.S. population is eligible to give blood, however. Less than 10% actually do each year. If just 1% more Americans would give blood, blood shortages would be a rare event. Donors must weigh at least 110 pounds and be at least 17 years old to give. However, some states allow a 16-year-old to donate with parental consent. Donors also must be in good health and free from communicable diseases. Donating blood is safe and easy, and all blood types are needed. The entire process takes only one hour of your time, although the actual blood donation takes around 10 minutes. An hour of your time can mean a lifetime to someone else. All potential donors receive a thorough health screening, and all blood donations are tested for roughly a dozen infectious diseases prior to helping a patient in need. Eligible donors may give up to six times per year. A single donation can save up to three lives. This means you have the potential to make a difference in up to 18 lives per year. After donating blood, snacks and beverages are typically provided at the donation center. Your body replaces the fluid within hours and the red blood cells within four weeks. However, it takes up to eight weeks to replenish your iron stores. Red blood cells may be refrigerated and stored for up to 42 days, while the plasma may be frozen for up to one year. Platelets are kept in an agitator at room temperature for up to five days. 
Although it takes some time for the donation to be processed and given to a patient in need, the gratification of giving blood is instant. The February PSA topic is Heart Health Month. Here are excerpts from an article written by Becky Ness. In the United States, roughly 53% of adults have an elevated LDL-C level. Unfortunately, fewer than 50% receive treatment to reduce this level, and among those who are treated, fewer than 35% achieve adequate control. Additionally, approximately 31 million American adults have a total cholesterol level that exceeds 240 mgdl, which places them at almost twice the risk of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease compared to those who have cholesterol levels at goal. These data points are concerning, as cardiovascular disease is a leading cause of death among adults in the United States. Hyperlipidemia is the condition of elevated blood lipid levels in the plasma, typically characterized by an increase in cholesterol, triglycerides, or both. Cholesterol levels include both low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, LDLC, and high-density lipoprotein cholesterol, HDLC. In many labs, a lipid panel will also include triglycerides along with cholesterol, non-HDL calculated, and a total cholesterol level. Historically, patients were required to fast for anywhere from 8 to 12 hours prior to having a lipid evaluation. Over the past four to five years, the thought regarding this fasting requirement has changed. The current recommendation is that screening non-fasting adults for total as well as HDL cholesterol is appropriate in helping make decisions regarding the primary prevention of coronary heart disease. There are still some reservations regarding the potential impact of the accuracy of the LDLC and triglyceride component. However, the interpretation of the results simply needs to be done through the appropriate lens of fasting versus non-fasting. There have been some breakthroughs in treatment as well. See the full article in the January-February issue of Impact, written by Becky Ness. And now a scholarship committee update, courtesy of MAPA Scholarship Committee Chair Deb Schilling. This is the exciting time of year when the scholarship committee is gearing up to hand out some money. The 2023 MAPA scholarship applications are now available on the MAPA website. The deadline for the application is Friday, February 17th. The recipients of the awards will be announced during the spring CME conference on March 2nd and 3rd. We are also looking ahead to the 2024 scholarship, so we are bringing back the popular fundraiser for the Spring CME Conference, the Wall of Wine. There will be a wide variety of wines in this wall, and $20 is all it will take to be able to pull a cork and see which bottle of wine you will be able to enjoy. As always, we appreciate your continued support of our fundraising efforts. 100% of the funds raised go directly to the scholarship awards. If you are unable to attend this year's conference and would like to donate to the scholarship fund, there is a direct link for donations on the MAPA website. Be sure to select Minnesota Scholarship Fund in the Fund drop-down. And now some words from MAPA Leadership Development Committee Chair Josh Lowe on MAPA Leadership Opportunities. Are you ready to help advocate for and shape the future of PA practice in Minnesota? Consider running for one of the open positions on the MAPA board. This year's open positions include President-Elect, Secretary, Director-at-Large, two positions, and Delegate to the AAPA House of Delegates, three positions. The prerequisites, qualifications, responsibilities, and duties of each office are listed on the MAPA website. The call for nominations will close on March 10th, with the election taking place in April. 
With the exception of the president-elect, those elected in mid-April will take office on July 1, 2023, and serve through June 30, 2025. The president-elect's term will begin July 1, 2023 through June 30, 2024, followed by one year as president and then one year as immediate past president ending June 30, 2026. A MAPA leadership position is a fantastic opportunity to grow personally and professionally, develop skills, gain unique experiences, and make lasting connections with your peers and colleagues. MAPA welcomes individuals with a wide diversity of experience, knowledge, skills, and ideas. Not yet ready to run for an elected position? Consider volunteering for one of the MAPA committees. The list and a brief description of each committee is available on the website underneath the membership tab. Please strongly consider this invitation to participate. Our profession needs you. MAPA leadership is rewarding and can be a lot of fun, too. You are welcome to contact any of the current individuals in these positions, or you can visit the MAPA website for more information. If you have any further questions or have an interest in running for one of these positions, please email joshua.lowe at yahoo.com. From Student Communications, plan now to attend the Student Track at the Spring CME February 27th through March 2nd. There will be virtual presentations on a variety of topics, including career development, advocacy, and wellness. The Challenge Bowl will be in person and serve as the finale to the Spring CME meeting. It is shaping up to be a very exciting event. There will be multiple teams from all five Minnesota-based PA programs. And now, PA program updates. We start with Augsburg University. This written by Augsburg PA Program student representative June Park. Augsburg first-year students finished off the fall semester strong by participating in the Special Olympics. It was a great opportunity to work with the athletes and put what we have been learning into practice. On our last day of finals, everyone came together to give roses and write thank you cards to the faculty to show our appreciation for the holidays. The students are already back from their winter break and have wrapped up the H-E-E-N-T unit for the spring semester. Everyone is excited that we are halfway through the didactic year. We have many upcoming community engagements such as Project Access, Health Commons, and Polar Plunge that will be happening within one to two months. Challenge Bowl is also in mind as teams are being created and submitted by the end of the month. Our class has started a monthly newsletter to highlight a few of our fellow students each month. This month's highlights were Alyssa Snyder, Yassine Ahmed, and Michaela Althaus. Check out their pictures and bios in the Impact Newsletter. And now an update from the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and Sciences, written by Mayo PA Program student representative Matthew Council. Mayo Clinic is proud to announce an update on the activities of its first and second year PA students. These students are actively working to improve their skills, the patient experience, and overall access to healthcare services. Here's what we've been up to lately. We have adopted a two-mile stretch of Highway 14 near Rochester, Minnesota. Students and faculty from both classes gathered for our first cleanup day at the end of October, collecting and removing over a dozen bags of litter. This effort is part of a larger commitment by the Mayo Clinic to better serve its local community. It also turned out to be a great opportunity for the students of both classes to spend some time together and share experiences and advice. We all had a fantastic time and are excited about our upcoming spring cleanup in April. If you see us out there, be sure to show your support with some friendly honking. Point-of-care ultrasound use. 
We first-year students have begun our second semester of study. As part of our coursework, we are learning how to use point-of-care ultrasound devices. We have already begun to understand the importance of POCUS in the clinical setting. And we continue to gain experience in preparation for future patient encounters. Our second-year students have taken this to the next level during their clinical rotations, with several students successfully employing their POCUS skills to diagnose and treat important conditions, such as pericardial effusion, aortic aneurysm, and acute heart failure. Virtual Reality Learning The first-year students had the first of many virtual reality sessions at the end of January following the completion of our cardiology block. This was an incredibly engaging experience as we were able to interact with and treat a virtual patient suffering from acute myocardial infarction in the setting of an emergency department. At the end of each organ system, we have the opportunity to put what we've learned into practice with a VR patient. These sessions give us a hands-on experience with real-life scenarios so that we are prepared when faced with real patients in the future. As we are just finishing up with our pulmonology block, we are excited to see what the faculty has planned with our next VR patient. The last weekend of January, we held our first Justice, Equality, Diversity, and Inclusion events, and it was fantastic. The goal of these events is to provide an opportunity for our students and faculty to share cultural appreciation, promote sensitivity, and support an inclusive environment. Some of the topics that were covered this year included the significance of hijab, Islamic head covering, chatting about traditional henna, LGBTQIA plus considerations beyond the clinic setting, and working with refugee populations during times of crisis. It was another wonderful experience where faculty and students from both classes were able to come together, share our experiences and advice, and ultimately grow together as individuals and as a community. We are excited to see what the spring brings and are looking forward to seeing all of you at this year's MAPA Challenge Bowl. MAPA's chosen charity for the spring CME event is Crescent Cove. Crescent Cove offers care and support to children and young adults with a shortened life expectancy and to their families who love them. Around the United States, there are over 4,700 hospice homes for adults. The Crescent Cove Respite and Hospice Home for Kids is Minnesota's first and only home designed just for children and their unique needs, and just the third of its kind in the United States. A vibrant and joyful home away from home, their goal is to help families feel embraced, assured, and celebrated. MAPA encourages you to support this unique organization whether you are planning to attend the Spring CME event or not. Donations can be made online at crescentcove.org. Now, news you can use. The Minnesota Department of Health is considering modifications to the Communicable Disease Reporting Rules through the Minnesota Rulemaking Process. This rulemaking process will update Minnesota's Communicable Disease Reporting Rules to address new and emerging communicable diseases, remove unnecessary provisions, clarify reporting conditions, and address other technical changes. Minnesota Department of Health published the request for comments in the January 17, 2023 State Register and will be accepting comments until March 20, 2023 at 4.30 p.m. The department encourages you to review the RFC and submit comments. Minnesota Department of Health will publish the specific modifications to the Communicable Disease Reporting Rules at a later date. For a copy of the request for comments and the rulemaking process, you can go to the department's website at Amendment to Rules Governing Communicable Disease Reporting. For further information on amendments and the rulemaking process, 
Contact Minnesota Department of Health, Patricia Siegel Freeman at 651-201-5414. And that concludes this episode of the Impact Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform for upcoming issues of the Impact Newsletter, as well as interview and panel podcasts. Check out minnesotapa.org for more information on everything discussed in this episode. And make sure to like and follow the Minnesota Academy of PAs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MNACADPA. That's MNACADPA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.